What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10,000 Podcast. We want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure if you haven't clicked that subscribe button to subscribe right now to get our podcast in your feed so you can listen to it while you're in the car, when you're out running, when you're running errands, whatever that looks like to you, so you can bring God into your 10,000 minutes. Uh, My name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and we're so glad that you decided to join us today. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Yeah, hey everybody, so glad that you're listening to us today. Uh, summer is here. That's right, it's Memorial Day next week. Memorial Day. Official start of summer. And whenever you're listening to this, we've been having a lot of rain here. I know. I, I, I read that it was more rain than Miami. And and more clouds than cloudy days than Seattle. Yeah. So which is crazy. crazy. And even last night, did you hear the hail? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Melissa woke, woke me up and you're like, well, there goes our flowers. Like, Do you want me to go out and like, I, I had no intention of going out. Like, sorry, honey. Um, but Truth comes out. <laughs> Actually, I would have. She's like, yeah, I'll run out there quick. I would have like, okay. Because in that state, I'll do whatever. That's um, right. But, but, um, yeah, the hail but you were a good out. husband and you asked. So. I asked. I don't think the hail destroyed me. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, but, yeah, we, we are now hopefully into summer, which mm-hmm. is good. And we were going to talk today about a passage of scripture. So let me preface this. We're going to, it's going to be biblical. I don't think it's necessarily exceptionally theological like we have done sometimes. Because this podcast is about bringing God into your Mm 10,000. So we are going to talk about one theological concept first to set the groundwork for a very practical life application thing that Jesus talks about having to do with divorce Mm -hmm. and remarriage. That's right. Important stuff talking about today. So if you are a single person thinking maybe someday I'll be married, you should listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you are a married person, you should definitely listen to this podcast. If you're considering divorce, you should listen to this podcast. If you are divorced, you should listen to this podcast. Is there anybody that that's excluded? If you, you have d- married d- friends and you're single, you're like, I'll never get married. But you have married friends, you should listen to this there you go. I think that covers just about everyone. If you're a child right now, you haven't considered the prospect of marriage in the future, listen to it anyway. It's going to yeah. help. <laughs> there you go. Amazing. So there we go. I think we covered everybody. And let me just read the verse, and then we're going to back up and go through it, because this is what Jesus says. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the one, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Mm-hmm. Pretty strong, firm, clear teaching from Jesus on this. So what does it mean for divorce and remarriage? Yeah, it's really important. It's really important. We're going to get into it on the podcast. If you're if you're following along with us, we're we are in Luke 16. So we've been working through this series of chapters in our Lost and Found series. If you haven't checked out those messages, you can do it on our other podcast feed. But that is verse 18 of this little section. Um, it might be labeled like teachings or additional teachings in your Bible. 
but we're going to look at all of it. So before we dive into the divorce piece, I think we really have to look at these couple of verses that Jesus says before this section. It does. It sets it up. So it says in verse 16 of Luke 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Talking about John the Baptist. Yes. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. And then verse 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. So I believe that there's kind of two theological concepts that Jesus is teaching here. Mm-hmm. One is that there used to be this thing called the law. Yep. Specifically the Mosaic law. that was give, This law given to Moses started with the Ten Commandments, but then got a lot more detailed, 600 plus commandments. It's a lot of uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus in your Bible. So and Yeah, and the second half of Exodus. Yep. Like, it's a lot of stuff in there. Like, do this, don't do this. This is how you be pure. This is how to not be pure. This is, you know, what to do in the temple. This is how to sacrifice an animal. Lots of rules. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus is saying, hey, that was proclaimed. Not only that, in the prophets, because the prophets were um, explaining that to the people of God when they were going astray, really. Yeah, they were basically saying, you are not following the law. Here's why. Here's how to start following the law again. So he's like, that's what was being taught. Mm -hmm. This is what was being preached in the synagogues all the way up until John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist, something new was coming in because John was preparing the way for Jesus. And when Jesus came, it went from law, in that sense, to Mm -hmm. gospel. That's right. Law to gospel, which is an amazing change. Thank God. Praise <laughs> God for the gospel. Absolutely. Because what does the gospel mean for us? That we are no longer under the law. Right. That's, That's right. Thing. That's we huge. Have freedom from the law. We are forgiven for all the times we fall short of this super high standard. Very high standard. And we are forgiven for all the times we fall short of that and forgiven. There is forgiveness. Uh, instead of us like being forced, here's this tablet of stone, follow what it says. Now it says that we have you know, the human heart. Uh, the the law is written on our written heart. Written on our heart. Something has changed from the inside out. We are transformed. It's not outward obedience. It's inward transformation. Absolutely. All made possible because Jesus completely fulfilled the law. He lived up to it. He was totally perfect. So a mul- multiple times in the New Testament it says we are no longer under the law, mm-hmm. very clearly. It says in the book of Hebrews that the law is obsolete and will soon disappear. Mm-hmm. It also says in Romans 10, 4, that Jesus Christ is the end of the law. Mm-hmm. That word end could be translated as culmination, fulfillment of the law. It's over. It's done in Jesus Christ. Now right. it's the time of the gospel. So then that's the first theological concept. We've gotten that. The second one, Jesus says in verse 17, is it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. But Sawyer, I thought we just talked about how the law was going to fade away, that it was going to disappear, that it's the end of the law, that we're no longer under the law. So how does that work? So I think what Jesus is getting at is he's saying the law had a purpose. Mm -hmm. The law was there for a purpose. It's not like God just chose these arbitrary things for his people to follow and just were like, all right, you guys can follow follow these laws to show that you are my people. And that's the only reason why it's in there. What Jesus is saying is that the law was and is really important. Yes. It shows how God wants us to live. Yes. What God values, what God, God's way of living, God's perfect way of living. The awesome thing is, is that beyond teaching us about the law, beyond showing us how to live, Jesus fulfilled the law completely. Yes. Fulfilled the law completely. And so what that means is that we are no longer bound by the consequences of not following the law. Yes. Can through I, yeah 
Can I give a little analogy that I've Sure. Be, before we were talking, Sawyer and I, I was doing a lot of hand motions to like show this. So I'm trying to think If you would be interested, we might start videoing this. Maybe. Leave send us an email if you want to see all these hand actions. Yeah, maybe because <laughs> I get a lot of hand actions today. But I was trying to think so to visualize this. So take a moment, close your eyes unless you're driving. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Keep them open. But just yeah. imagine in your mind's eye a lake, okay? Beautiful lake, yeah. A yep. lake, and it's nice and clear. It's beautiful. Okay. Some of you guys are looking forward to getting out on the lake this summer. There you go. Right? Okay, so there's this lake. You're swimming in the lake, but you keep sinking down. Okay. okay. So you are underwater. You can see the top of the water. Just imagine you see the water. So the, the water would be the law. We okay. are under the law. Because here's at the top. You have to get above the water line in order to breathe. Yeah, exactly. Die, right? So you, as being under the law, as a sinner, are trying to swim your way up. Mm-hmm. Here's these expectations. I've got to be better. Oh, I'm messing up. You're falling deeper Slowly sinking, yeah. Sinking down to your, your demise. Some of you are just you know, struggling to breathe right now. Take a breath. You're still <laughs> in the oxygen. You're not underwater. But just this thought. Whenever I see that in movies, like, someone always drive, swims up from, like, 300 feet mm-hmm. in the water. And then, yeah. You know, just imagine that. They're trying to just climb, trying to swim up to the top. Mm-hmm. Everyone has failed. To reach up until the time of Jesus, everyone has failed to make yeah. it up to the top and actually breathe in the water and be like, breathe in the air. I mean, air, and, yeah. Oh, I made it up. But here's the thing. Jesus made it up. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. He fulfilled the law. He did everything right. So he's the one who's made it up to the top. He's floating up there. That's right. He's treading water. He's treading water and things are good. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you believe in Jesus Christ is you're, you're basically latching onto him. So you are the guy who can't swim, can't make it to the top of the water, but you're holding on to this guy, and and he's holding you up. So the whole time, you're like, I can breathe again. Mm. It's not because you're, you know, such a good swimmer. It's because Jesus has swam to the top, and you're, okay, you you guys tracking with my analysis so far? That's good. So in that sense, we are no longer under the law. Right. Because we're on top of the water. We're on top of the water. (laughs) Above the law, Mm -hmm. in a sense. Um, But the law is still important because it's still there. That's right. So that's why Jesus can say it hasn't dropped out. No, nothing. Not even a pen stroke. Not yeah. even a pen stroke. In the old KJV in Matthew, it says not a jot or tittle. Which you're wondering what that is. It'd be like the dot of an eye. Dot of an eye and the cross of a T. Right. In, in Hebrew. But, equivalent, yes. Because yes, <laughs> they don't have I's or T's. But, they you know, have dots. They do have dots. And dashes. And also well, in the Masoretic text, that's beyond the side. <laughs> but, yeah. but the, so the point is, like, none of that disappears. It's still there. There is still water. Mm-hmm. There still is, if you're not... Fulfilling the law, and you're you're a sinner, and you're drowning, and you're going to die. You need to get up top. The point is, you can't swim on your own. You go on Jesus. So the law is still there. We're just no longer under it. That's right. To make a good pun, Jesus is a life preserver. He's a life saver. There you go. So <laughs> now that we have that that theological, those two theological concepts which fit together, yep, figured out. Then Jesus take, gives us one example mm-hmm. of this. And that's where verse 18 comes in, where Jesus said, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Right. So how does this apply with that concept of the law? So because the law had a lot to say about sexuality, Mm -hmm. a lot to say about marriage, and a lot to say about human relationships. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, "We're we're in a different time. The time of the law is no longer here. The time of the gospel is here. Yes. But the law is still present. The law still exists. Right. So he's, he's saying, so what does that mean for marriage and divorce? Yes. 
which was what we're going to talk about. Right, and that's good because in in the law, I mean, marriage is a covenant for life, mm-hmm. and yet there's this one aspect of the law where Moses, as he's teaching the law, I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus, we'll talk about how it, how it's from Moses. Moses said, you know, it's okay to get a divorce, basically, mm-hmm. and it was pretty vague what was in the law itself yep. about what was permissible for divorce. So there was actually a big debate in Jesus's day. Where the you know the more conservative theologians of the day um, would say you know divorce isn't allowed like at all, mm-hmm. or maybe only for you know here's a few exceptions, and the more liberal theologians of the day were like, well Moses said you could get a divorce, so you can divorce your wife if she burns your soup. I think that was the example that one of the rabbis said yep. in Jesus' day. If someone burns your soup, you can divorce her. Like this is not like how I want my soup. Okay. Yeah, and you might be noticing we're, we're talking a lot about men divorcing their wives because for women at that time, basically no option. Yeah, there, there was no option. They, they had no volition to do mm-hmm. that. And that's why Jesus even says yep. anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman. Right. That's, that's because women didn't have a choice. Right. So we can apply that differently. But he's saying, yep. okay, the Old Testament law makes an exception that you can't get divorced. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus is saying is, actually, the standard, if you want to get your head above water, the law is saying, okay, no divorce. That's right. No divorce. Mm -hmm. Because marriage is a covenant from the beginning of creation for all of mankind between one man and one woman for life. Yep. One of the first things that's talked about in the Bible with Adam and Eve. This is why uh, a man leaves his uh, father and mother and is made one, clings to his wife. Yeah. And guess what? I need to say this to somebody listening. From the beginning, God knew that men and women are different. God knew that men and women will change over a lifetime. God knew that men and women will go through periods where they're not having as much sex as they used to, mm-hmm. that they're going to be fighting, that there's going to be issues, that there's going to be parenting issues and grandparenting issues and empty nesters and all the different things that are going to happen in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He still set up from the very beginning. Marriage. Marriage for life. For life. A covenant. So I'm saying that because you have not come up with the rare exception that God didn't think of. Mm. You are not smarter than God, and you have not encountered something that he could not have foreseen. So that's why Jesus says, the standard's up here. If you want to breathe water, if you want to get to the point where you're you know, doing what the law says, divorce is not okay. Mm-hmm. Even though there was an exception in the law for divorce. That's right. Saying, Jesus is almost raising the bar. He is, and that's a lot of what he does, is yes. that if you look at... Matthew uh, 4, 5, and 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said this, but actually now I say to you this and even higher. And yeah, Jesus literally says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were like renowned for keeping the law. Mm -hmm. Well, if the law says don't have an affair, don't commit adultery, I can do that Ten Commandment. And he says, no, 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 you can't even look with lust That's right. another woman. Okay, it says you can't murder. Well, I haven't murdered anyone. If you ever had angry thoughts and mm-hmm. wanted to hate in your heart, yeah, in your heart, you have sinned. Okay, so Jesus is saying that that water is actually a higher water line than you thought. It's high tide. It's no high tide. So that standard still remains. Mm-hmm. We are still there. We're not under it. So there's no consequences if you do sin. If you have gone through a divorce. If you have committed adultery, if you have remarried after a divorce, what we're saying to you is that there's still grace in Jesus Christ because the reason why you can breathe at all is because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So if that's you and you're listening to this podcast and, and you're feeling convicted, that's the Holy Spirit saying that the, word, the law is still in place in this respect. Jesus is saying that 
there is a really high bar set for people who get married, but we are in the time of grace. Yes. And there is still grace and forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration for you. Yes, and there 100% is, and we believe that. Like, we love you. Mm -hmm. We know that there are people who have messed up with when it comes to sexuality and marriage. And Absolutely. All this stuff. Absolutely. We, we care about you. Um, be, and, you know, you and I, Sawyer, have messed up when it comes to, you know, relationships. Absolutely. Past, maybe, you know, maybe I haven't crossed that line, right? I haven't, you know, broken one of the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. but we, we sinned. Absolutely. Honey, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> toss it out there if you're listening. Yes. Yeah. For whatever you're thinking, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but we have. So mm -hmm. the point is that there's grace. But we do need to admit that what we have done is wrong. Absolutely. To say that there is grace for the divorcee, for the adulterer, for the person who remarries when they shouldn't have, to say there's grace for that doesn't mean that what you did is okay. Mm -hmm. This does not condone sin. Right. And I think this is a big point because I have talked with people who have divorced and remarried and sometimes I get completely different impressions. Sometimes I get, oh, you should have seen my ex-wife. She was awful. Mm. Everyone hated her. They couldn't stand her. And just telling me all these weeks, I've never even met the ex-wife. She's been out of the picture for over a decade and you're still trying to convince me that she was this worthless human being with nothing good about her. And, and all I can think is, well, you picked her, right? That's I mean, right. No why, forced you in this why, why did you get married in the first <laughs> for, place? For yeah. some reason. And, and oh, she changed. And that's, you know. But, but you can have that attitude. Or you can have the attitude is, yeah, she had problems, but so did I. Mm. And I've seen this too. And I wish it would have worked out. Mm. I ha have some sin in my life. And, and I'm very humbled by what I have done and what I've experienced. Yeah. Okay? There are two different aspects when we come to that. And that's why we need to understand this theological concept. To say that I was drowning and Jesus forgave me is different than saying, look at that, me, I, I'm swimming fine. That's right. Right? Very different. Okay. Very different. Right. There's a lot of swimming in this. <laughs> it's good. It helps us understand what Jesus is saying, which yeah. is on the surface, and it is a very hard teaching. Okay. So... Let's let's dive in now to some details. Another swimming metaphor. <laughs> really, we're getting there. It, people are wondering, okay, so when is it okay to get a divorce? Mm -hmm. When is it? That's well, when is it? Yep. Okay, so anyone who divorces his wife, Jesus says, and marries another woman commits adultery. So in this verse, Jesus gives no exception. Mm -hmm. He gives no exception. However, we believe in the totality of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says actually two different times in the Gospel according to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 19, 9, that he says, if anyone who divorces except for sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. So it's a sin to divorce always except for sexual immorality. So how does that work, Sawyer? Well, if I think if we, we have to all go back, which is what Jesus goes back to right before in Matthew 19, to the way God has instituted marriage. I'll, I'll read it from Matthew 19, but you can read it all the way back in Genesis too. So this is Matthew 19, uh, verse 4. Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator, God, made male and female and said, For this reason a son, uh, excuse me, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what has God has joined together, let no one separate. Yep. And so sex in marriage, which is the only place where it should happen, because it is that physical completion of the two individuals becoming one. Yep. And so in this instance of except for sexual immorality, so if that 
if any individual in that marriage, husband or wife, goes out and have sex with another person, mm-hmm. then that oneness has been broken. Yes. So in, <laughs> in reality, the divorce is just an acknowledgement of a marriage that has already been divorced. It's right. already been broken. Yes. Yeah, if the two become one, which is the ideal, which is what it's supposed to be, the two mm-hmm. become one flesh, one entity. That's right. Then if somebody goes and sleeps with another person, they have broken that covenant mm-hmm. bond. So if there's a divorce, it's just acknowledging it. What, what was the analogy I, I said earlier? You said earlier it, it's basically deciding to throw away the vase when it's been broken. Yeah, if someone's like, man, why did you throw it away? It's like, well, it was broken. You know, I, I didn't break it. It was already broken by this person who committed sexual immorality. And Jesus, or I'm sorry, not Jesus, but Paul specifically says, speaking about a prostitute, but when you sleep with a prostitute or when you sleep with anyone else, you unite soul with that person. Mm-hmm. Sex brings two together as one. That's why sex is so important and so vital. And that's why we say it's for marriage because it is such a strong bond mm-hmm. between people. It's a soul bond. And so if you have broken that already, divorce is just acknowledging what has already happened. It's it's saying legally that something already happened. That's right. So, Sawyer, if someone uh, is listening to this and they're like, well, my spouse had an affair, mm-hmm. should should I just be done with them? What do you think? Simply because that <laughs> has taken place doesn't mean that you have to get divorced. Right. Jesus is saying that in that situation, you can get divorced, mm-hmm. but I think even Jesus, <laughs> God once the the ideal is reconciliation. Yes. Now that is exceptionally hard and difficult and will require years and counseling and therapy and each individual doing some work. Yeah. But I, I, I'm thinking of people in my head right now that that has happened and now their marriage is in a really good spot. Yeah. And both of them would say that we had some stuff to work on and yes, this infidelity happened, but it was an indication of a lot of other problems that were taking place. And now we're in a place where we can look back and our marriage is stronger than it ever has been. I have seen marriages after an affair like mm-hmm. come back and be stronger than ever. I've seen marriages after an illegitimate child mm, yeah. come back and be stronger than ever before. And honestly, that is one of the most powerful I, you know, you see a marriage like that and I admire those people. And I'm like, I am amazed Absolutely. at a couple like that. So if, if your spouse is cheating on you or has cheated on you, like get some help. It's Absolutely. not okay. That is sin. It is breaking that bond. Yeah. But you can come back. Absolutely. You can come back from it. And I would recommend if you're in that position right now, try to put it in the work. Yeah. Try to put in the work. Yes, there is this concession made. Mm-hmm. But that isn't your step one, you know. That's your step down the road. Yeah, especially if there's kids involved. Absolutely. Especially, but like, even if there's not. Even if there's not, it it can definitely be worth it. Mm -hmm. So, so we're gonna say that. So, are there any other exceptions in that sense? Of so, there's an affair, but other what other exceptions would it be okay for someone to get a divorce? What do you think? I think when we look at this passage, Jesus is pretty straightforward. He is pretty straightforward. Now, there, there's one other scriptural time in the New Testament when Paul talks about divorce. And he doesn't explicitly say divorce, so it's a little bit debated. Right. But Jesus talks about a 
believing Paul sp- talks about. No, it's okay. Paul talks about a believing spouse. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, a believing Christian. Yep. And their unbelieving spouse. Mm-hmm. So when the unbelieving spouse abandons them, it seems to indicate that Paul is saying it might be okay for that person to remarry. Mm-hmm. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Yeah. So in the same sense, here's a, a Christian and probably someone who had come to Christ after they were married, and their spouse is angry about it and leaves them because of their faith. Mm-hmm. In that case, they have been abandoned. The two have already been, the two becoming one have already been separated again because an unbeliever has abandoned them. So it's not like, oh, my, you know, my spouse doesn't believe in Jesus, so I'm going to leave them and remarry someone who does believe. No, no, no. Right. We are committed to that person because marriage isn't a Christian institution. It's a institution for all of creation. That's right. And even in that section, a little bit later on, it talks about witnessing to your spouse. Yeah, witnessing <laughs> to your spouse. Peter says, like, mm-hmm. win over, in First Peter yep. 3, like, win over your unbelieving spouse. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good thing to do. You put in a unique position that they're going to see you every day. <laughs> you can pray for them, talk with them, share the gospel with them, leave tracks around, have them turn on, <laughs> the, you know, the, the sermon every Sunday and watch it. That's it, right. So that they can hear you. Mm-hmm. And there's a great opportunity for evangelism there. So mm-hmm. that is not a reason. But perhaps if that person has already abandoned you, there may be room for the divorce and remarriage because it's already been broken. Mm-hmm. That's what all these exceptions are. It's like the other person already broke it. Now we're just acknowledging maybe legally before God that it already is broken. Mm-hmm. So those might be the two exceptions. So now let's talk about the hard part when it comes to remarriage. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because Jesus says if if you divorce, and, and let's say those two exceptions are, aren't in there. Let, let's say Jesus just doesn't mention it here and marries another person, commits adultery. What the heck? So if you have had a divorce for one of those reasons that is not biblically qualified, does that mean you have to be single and celibate for the rest of your life? Sir? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. It's a hard thing to say. but It's a hard thing to say. If you have... Like, I mean, this is what Jesus is teaching. And mm-hmm. we're just trying to, like, that's what we always try to do. What does Jesus say? He's setting the standard. Mm-hmm. If you got divorced for one of those, for, if there was one of those exceptions, perhaps that, that's the exception to this. That's too. right. Okay, your spouse has already ad- abandoned you and been united with another person. Mm-hmm. This frees you up now to, to get remarried. Yeah. That perhaps would not be sin. But if you're like, well, uh, we just separated because we got married young and in a few years in, we realized we weren't compatible. Or we fell out of love with each other. We fell out of love for each other. Mm-hmm. Or he was married to work. Um, the, these exceptions that people have in their minds for why it's okay to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you're even listening to this and you weren't a Christian or you weren't walking with Jesus when you went through your divorce. We look back and are like, shoot, well, I wish I would have known this then, then, but it's too late. Why can't I get remarried? We're called to, whenever we start living for God, I mean, that's... We can't change the past, but we can choose to live for God in the future. Yes, that is absolutely true. Now, I would honestly say if the other person has remarried, they have moved on to a new relationship, I would say that's freeing in the same way that, that Paul talks about. Mm-hmm. So it would not be committing adultery then because that person, there's no chance of reconciliation. That's right. It's gone. In fact, in the Old Testament law, it was considered sin to remarry someone after they had been remarried. 
Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah. I just read that in my scripture reading. <laughs> I forget where it was. But, like, it's a sin to remarry after a remarriage. <laughs> um, I think it's later I think it's later in Exodus, isn't it? I, I think that's right. I wish I remember off the top of my head. But I don't. So I would say if that other person has left your, went into a relationship with someone else, you perhaps are free to, to look for a new relationship if that's what God is leading. Although... Mm-hmm. Perhaps still the the choice of single celibacy and faithfulness to Jesus would be the best choice for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're talking a lot of different scenarios here. Yeah. And so you might be in one of those situations and and looking to try and get some um, more detailed advice and biblical wisdom on that. I, I would say absolutely seek us out. Seek a Christian counselor. Seek some therapy. We would love to dive into this with you further and, um, you know, help you try to follow Jesus and bring God in your 10,000 as we, you walk this difficult road, no matter where you are in this yep. spectrum of people that we've outlined. So okay, let me give one more instance. Absolutely. What if someone is listening to this Sawyer and they have been divorced mm-hmm. and they remarry sinfully, according to Jesus, if you remarry without having those legitimate exceptions for divorce and then remarry, that's adultery, that's sin. Mm-hmm. So if someone is like that. Well, I got divorced because we got married when we were 18 and I was pregnant and didn't work out two years later. Sure. And now I here I am 30 wanting to remarry or, or I am, am remarried. remarried. I yeah. am remarried. I've already made that second plunge. What do I do? Well, I, I would just say, do we want to add more sin to sin mm-hmm. and say, this is the situation that you're in. You're called to be faithful to God. There still is this command that if you are married, don't get divorced. Yes. So don't break up your current marriage yeah. to get divorced again. Right. <laughs> so if that's a situation that you're in, um, absolutely acknowledge the sins <laughs> of your past that you are making. Rest in God's forgiveness. Yeah. But don't sin more. Right. I mean, I heard a Bible teacher years ago, and I'm paraphrasing him, but basically you can't put the omelet back in the eggshell. Okay. It's already out. It's already I, made an omelet. Yes, we broke something. We broke the egg, mm. but it's already made. You know, there's already a marriage. You can't go back into the past. That's right. So, this is the same thing we've been talking about this whole time. A lot of you listening have sinned when it comes to relationships, to sexuality, to mar- remarriage, to divorce, whatever it is. Like, just acknowledge the sin of your past. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, I shouldn't have been divorced. I shouldn't have remarried. That was sin. We should do that. We need to be way more apt to acknowledge that we are sinners mm-hmm. and we need God's grace. Absolutely. And guess what? If you want to swim, you want to breathe, just hang on to Jesus. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Back to the beginning. Hang on to Jesus because we are in the time of the gospel, not the law. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Me too. And there is forgiveness. So if, if you're listening to this and you have questions about marriage, remarriage, divorce, Message us if you think we're completely bozos on this topic. <laughs> wrong, tell us why. If your marriage is struggling right now or you're looking for advice, counsel, reach out to us. Absolutely. I can honestly tell you I have had a lot of people over the last couple months reach out to me with comments, issues in their marriage. I think this pandemic has been really hard. Absolutely. And if it hasn't already surfaced, things are now coming to the surface that have been issues with this. It's been a hard year. Absolutely. So I know it's been hard on marriages. So reach out to us. We want to help or we want to connect you with someone who can help you in, in a lot more detail. 
We also are working right now, our fall series in September is going to be about family, specifically some stuff about marriage. We are working to put together a marriage class. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Mm -hmm. So that to give some real detailed, practical help for people who need some help with their marriage right now. If you're interested in that, email us right now and we'll put you on a wait list. There you go. It is going to fill up. I think so too. There's no way that it won't. (laughs) Give us your name right now and we'll put you on the list now, even though we don't have a sign up. Email (laughs) mwolfatarizedenver.com or sdraftatarizedenver.com. And we hope that this was helpful. If you have questions about this subject or any other, reach out to us. Like this, subscribe, share it with a friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and then the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.